Welcome to the Soccer Podcast, where we talk soccer in Delaware, soccer in the rest of the world, and everything in between. My name is Sebastian, and this week I'm joined here by Dwayne. Uh, I thought you were going to like, let me have that part. It's all good. What do you mean? It's all good part. You're like, I'm joined here by... Yeah, I mean, I can do it again. Welcome to the Soccer Podcast, where we talk soccer in Delaware, soccer in the rest of the world, and everything in between. My name is Sebastian, and this week I'm joined here by... Crickets. I'm just kidding. Dwayne. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, do you like to say your own name? Well, I guess I say my name every episode. So, uh, um, nah. so uh, Dwayne, high school season once again completely underway. Well, scrimmages. It was underway last week, too, but <laughs> it was underway. Um, but had another scrimmage. Um, so, so far, so good. I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying this team. Um, we have media day day, so that'll be fun. Media day. Yeah, I get some social media stuff going on. You know, we got some people. Shout out to Tony Visuals. Oh, dang. This guy went with a new photography company. Uh-oh. Yeah, yeah. Tony Visuals, man. It's my guy, Tony. Did all this stuff at Middleton High School on the boys' side. So, Did you know Tony Chow? <laughs> I don't know if he knows Tony Chow. Uh <laughs> Shout out to Tony only Chow, like man. four people know who that was, like that in reference. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so what what's new in your world in your life? Uh, rec registration closes today, so um, I'll finally be able to put together a schedule, finalize some things. And that's for Delaware Union, right? That's for Delaware Union. So I'll be working on that stuff. Uh, not nothing really. Um, you know, working on some league scheduling stuff. Um, I don't really have any tournaments coming up anytime soon. <laughs> I don't play in another tournament for another month. <laughs> oh, there you go. So, um, I do want to I do want to say that we we do have something coming up. Well, I mean, you're not going to be there, but I'll be yeah, there. I'll be in Florida. Uh, Diamonds tryout. Uh, so Delaware Diamonds tryouts on this Sunday at one o'clock at Kirkwood. The wood. So, yeah, so make sure you uh, you come out. Um, you shouldn't you, need directions to get to Kirkwood, right? You shouldn't at this point. But uh, if you're interested, come on out. We'll be there. Um, well, I'll be there. Dwayne won't be there. but Everybody knows where Kirkwood is. Yeah. So one to three. Um, excited for the diamond season. Excited to announce new players soon. Uh, we've announced some returners. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited for, for the season. Excited for potential new new competition that we may play against. Who knows? Depending on the, what the league decides to do. Um, but I don't know. We should get somebody from the league on and be like, "Hey, what, what's going on here?" We we could try to do that. Um, but yeah, no. So far, so far, so good. Uh, I am looking forward to the potential that uh, this weather is changing. Hopefully, it starts getting a little bit warmer. I do like the cold weather. I just I'm 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 over the wind. Then the wind. let's talk about the cold weather. It's just the wind is the wind is needs to go. Yeah, let's talk about where we were on on Tuesday. That was cold. Yeah. So yeah, Dwayne and I went to the uh, the Union game, uh, Concacaf Champions League game. Uh, Union versus Alianza from El Salvador. Uh, a lot of Salvadoranians, Salvadorians, Salvadorians. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, put it in Spanish. Salvadorians uh, <laughs> in the in the in the uh, in the stadium. Um, and as as Dwayne pointed out to a lot of those guys, uh, hace mucho frío. I say mucho frío, yes, yeah, bien, bien, bien. <laughs> I was cold. Dwayne Dwayne was practicing in Spanish. Um, I was I was being part of the culture. Yeah. So my my dad my dad came with me. Uh, he was cold. He was a little chilly. <laughs> yeah, he was bundled up. <laughs> he was chilly. He almost forgot his blanket. He had to come back, go back and get it when we were leaving. I mean, uh, hey, listen, the person I went with forgot the tickets. Aren't they on your phone? She forgot her phone. Oh, why don't you have on your phone? I don't have the login. So what'd you have to do? She had to go back to the car. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Mm. And I had to stay out in the cold. Hmm, that sucks for you. Yeah, I don't like the cold. Um, yeah, so it was fun. It was a fun game. Four nothing win for the for the Union. Um, and now they move on to the 
quarterfinal no, 16 i think <laughs> no that no that was the round of 16 wasn't it oh no was it yeah i think so i don't know they moved on they're playing april 3rd at home against atlas atlas that's right atlas yeah that atlas. was yeah that's this is now the quarterfinal moving on to the quarterfinal because atlas atlas caught up an aggregate they were down four they were down four one <laughs> and came back and won five right. four on aggregate yeah which is nuts yeah um yeah so atlas is playing the union lafc is playing vancouver in an mls showdown there montagua um montagua from uh um montagua is from why can't i um honduras that's right uh it's gonna be playing tigres uh leon uh is gonna be playing violet where's that where are they from <laughs> there's a lot of where are they from in the Concacaf champions league haiti uh-oh look at that from port-au-prince haiti port-au-prince the oh. capital Go Violet, who is sitting at nine games in, sitting in 12th place out of 18 in the Haitian League. <laughs> but are in the CONCACAF Champions League. But they are. I mean, they who do they beat in the... They beat Austin FC. So they won 3 nothing in Haiti and lost 2 nothing in Austin. So they went through. It's very interesting. It must be resting their starters... And trying to get this CONCACAF Champions League. Yeah, I mean, they, you got to be, right? Because Austin played with their full starting squad. So Like Drusy? Drusy scored both goals. Fagundes? Uh, yeah, and, and so did uh, Josie Sardis. He started. Yeah, he's trash. <laughs> I, think that, I think the problem is when they went to Haiti, I don't know that they played with all of their... their they're starting a lineup. Uruti can't go down there and give up three goals, though. I mean, they did. So, yes, you can. Um, I mean, the okay. Union didn't play with their starters. The majority of their starters, when well, they did the second time, but the first time, they didn't really play. Yeah. It was probably like 70-30. So, do we get tickets for that, that Atlas game or no? You do. So, shout out to Alex Carrington for explaining this to me. They go to your account. If you don't want them, you have to opt out. But okay. you will be charged for them. You were guaranteed the game we went to because that's as far as the union were going that far. Okay. So you'll be you'll get them, but you'll be charged for them because they were separate from. Okay. Got it. Because they can't say you're getting twenty five games and they get knocked out the competition. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, that makes sense. Just like the league's cup, you're guaranteed one game. You can get the tickets. That's a Monday home. night, though. Yeah, I don't have training. <laughs> Let's go. Um, I, do I have a game that day? Because, yep, I sure do. Yeah, so I guess I won't be going to that game. Well, that's good to know. Thank you for thank you for uh, explaining that to me. Kyle Graves, we're going to the game. I mean, Kyle Graves, you trying to pay up? <laughs> because <laughs> i'm not you know i'm I'm opting out unless unless i see some cash yeah um but that's the good thing so anytime like there's a game added on you get first basically first refusal for your seats but i at my price right yeah you'll get a season ticket price nice cool i like that um maybe i'll go to april 10th that's another monday eight o'clock i don't have a game that day maybe i'll fly down to mexico and go watch it at atlas yeah, isn't that on spring break? Yeah, man. Hey, what's the flights looking like? Yeah, what's the Avella flight? <laughs> no, we ain't getting there. <laughs> We're better off flying our own plane out the Summit Bridge Airport. There you go. Um, uh, we just parachute into the stadium. Yeah, that would be sick, though. To the- That'd be cool, right? Man, I don't have anything to do over spring break. We are, dude, we are not going to Mexico to watch. We're not going to Mexico as Philadelphia Union supporters in a second leg. Unless the Union gets destroyed the first leg at home. 
we are not going like we won't make it out of there i speak spanish dog i'm getting out of there <laughs> you don't speak spanish <laughs> <laughs> that what you speak- yes, señores. Muy bien. <laughs> yeah that that right off the bat right right that that grammatical error there is uh it, it that's that, that, better than I'm better than Chris Tucker was on on rush hour with the Chinese. <laughs> At least I don't pronounce things and say like other things. That's fair. Um yeah. So um all right, we have an interview from the from the convention. Uh probably one of one of the guys that we enjoy talking to the most in general whenever we get a chance to. Uh so good old Mike time, Mike Barr. Make sure you go check out his YouTube page. Yeah, the EPYSA. Go check out the EPYSA <laughs> coaching education videos. Um, so Mike Barr, I can't. So I don't know. I, I feel like we ask him this question when we talk about it, but technical director at EPYSA or former technical director? Because I feel like he's talked about he's retired from EPYSA, but he's also listed as a technical director at EPYSA. It's something him and Dan would be able to talk about, where they like don't work somewhere, but they really do work. They work when they feel like working there. Fair enough. So, but Mike Barr, uh, Mike Barr is one of the the cool people of youth soccer and just soccer in general. Um, extremely knowledgeable. Um, and again, we we learn a lot from him. Um, and he's he's doing it for the right reasons. He's one of those people that does it for the right reasons. And that's why we that's why we like talking to him. So uh we'll listen, we'll listen to Mike. Dwayne, we we have uh somebody that uh was brought up about brought up on the podcast already this week or on our interviews this week. Uh even though we I mean we watched this session on Wednesday night, but uh Bob Boussier brought him brought up his name. Um on top of the fact that just in general uh, I think people hear his name in this convention, specifically in Philly, and uh, and uh, it's uh, it, people know who we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, he's even on the Eastern Pennsylvania youth soccer uh, videos, teaching U six soccer. Yes, we found we found we found a whole section of videos of of uh, of our guest uh, coaching U six soccer. Uh, so it's uh, so Mike Barr. Uh, who's the technical director of the Eastern Pennsylvania Youth Soccer Association is here. How are you, Mike? Doing good. Thanks. Was the U6 soccer, that that video, was that one of your proudest days? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm proud of the uh, of the final oh, result, yes. but uh, I've done, I don't know, if, if you go on further on the video links, we did a whole series of technique training. I thought it was incredible i haven't seen anything better um for the last 30 years let's let's start with that uh epysa i think at times at the forefront from a from a national perspective on not only coaching education but the resources provided to coaches um between you and gary who who comes up with the ideas and uh uh, I know, I know from, I it know. It looks like it's Gary's idea and Mike gets to short in the stick and he has to go. Well, oh, hold on, hold on, because I do know something about Mike because he brought this up. It wasn't just me saying this. He brought this up in my sequels that he, that he taught that uh, Mike is an actor. No, um, I just do walk on. I mean, I did a few commercials where I spoke, but normally it's just me showing up in the back. <laughs> but so, so I think the idea, I think Mike doesn't mind being behind the camera or in front of the camera. No, I don't. <laughs> so, but so, where does the the idea of coaching education resources for EPYSA and and why is that so important for for you and Gary? Well, I think the whole association over the years has wanted wanted to maintain their reputation as one of the top states in the country. So we're always coming up with new ideas and we try to be in the forefront of everything, and uh, other states look up to us. Um. So you started off your session that you did on on Friday, uh, and I wanted to ask, I wrote this question down, and and I was thinking about it the moment you said this on Friday. You talked about coaching being similar to teaching or or being, you know, you you asked how many coaches were teachers. Coaching versus teaching, is there a difference? Is it the same? Do you look at it as, as as the same thing? 
Well, I was a teacher for 35 years, so uh, I always looked at it as teaching. And I think as as soccer's progressed over the years, there's not always the demand uh, for coaches to yeah. be accountable yeah. for them getting better or not getting better. I mean, if I was a teacher and the kids were failing and weren't reaching all the goals that were set, uh, I wouldn't be working. But I think we should hold coaches accountable too. That there is growth, and you're expressing to the parents that here's what we're going to do. Um, and I think also, and I mentioned this when I was doing the session, was coaches have to be demanding, especially with older players. I mean, the parents are paying a fortune, and uh, you want to see success, but you also want to see young individuals want to respond and, and play the way they should. Convention, and the fact that it's back in Philadelphia. Um, nice, well, nice commute for Mike. Yeah, electric train. <laughs> even, even better. Even better. You no, know, I got the senior pass too, so that's even better. Uh, there you go. What's uh, that? What's that run you? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but I parked the other night, and there's forty bucks. It's crazy. <laughs> um. So, so Mike, are we are we having the right conversations in the convention, and and where have you seen the growth within the convention yeah. towards having the right conversations? Yeah. That's a tough call. I thought when I first went to my first, I mean, those were in the late 80s, um, it was more educational, uh, more coaches getting together and discussing different things. Today, it's, it has a lot to do with how much money we can going, make off the sports, unfortunately. But that's part of its growth. That's where the game is. I mean, when you think about how many camera companies do you have in the exhibit hall right now, right? You got VO, you got Trace, you got uh, what is it, Spidex, Spideo, Pixel, something, Spideo, Huddle. So and and now that's become a part of the college showcase, right? Like it's you got to showcase your kids now. Coaches aren't always coming to games. You have to send your film to the coaches. So well, even high, most high schools now have all their games and video. So so all right. So I I sent you a message on Facebook uh, a few months back talking about. You made a post about the pay-to-play model, and it's something that we've we've briefly touched on the last time you were here with Lou. Um, so why? And then you you've also talked about early specialization in a sport, and, and you're you're against that part of it. So why why is the pay-to-play model, in your opinion, um, why why does it not work, or why is it not working, or what what's wrong with it? In a lot of instances, it discriminates against kids who don't have the money or access to get to the field. That's always been a, a problem to me. Um, and there's no guarantees attached when parents are paying this kind of money that their kids are going to be successful. Uh, I know people who complain about high school coaching because they feel there's too many games and practices. But now clubs are requiring the kids to play train three nights a week, play one or two games on the weekend. And most of those kids won't get a sniff to play in college. So I always thought that parents are giving the wrong information about their kids getting scholarships and things like that. Um, and it just, you know, maybe it's because of my age. I mean, I know. If, if, I, I completely, I'm, I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum and I completely agree with you. But I, I, I I never would have been able to play soccer. I'm the oldest of 11. So uh, just, I guess it, just, it just wouldn't happen. But the other thing that bothers me the most about this sport is you never see kids playing on their own unless I go into a Latino neighborhood or an African neighborhood, then they're playing. And I, I think, I firmly believe that the, the people we see in the world are they had no coaching up a lot of them up until they were twelve or thirteen. When they were identified as being stupid, they learned just by playing the game. So I even feel silly sometimes because I'm coaching two U8 uh, girls team and a boys team, training and not coaching. Somebody else has the games. And uh, <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's a pain. It's a pain sometimes to work with them because you know they're seven years old, yeah. acting like seven year olds. But uh, the parents' expectations are, yeah. hey, this, we want to see this kid playing. And this is another thing that's bothering me right now is that kids seven years old now How's playing 77, and they're traveling through soccer. Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense. 
And I always thought the U.S. soccer should step up and say, this is the way we should be doing things. And they came up with the um, player guidelines, yep. changing the birth date and uh, size of the fields, number of players, but no one follows it. No. No one. Well, I think at one point, U.S. youth soccer, I, and I remember this because I, I, I remember specifically looking looking this up. I feel like at some point, U.S. youth soccer had an advice or a guideline on the idea of uh, of player pools versus versus uh, A and B teams, specifically at the U9 and U10 age groups, doing player pools and doing play day formats. And then I feel like it's it's kind of gone away from that a little bit. I remember in Florida, get the um, pressure from the. I mean, I think the pressure from the parents starts to come in because if you go A and B, my kids on the B team and they they shine. Why can't they be on the A team, right? Versus a player pool where it's like, hey, your kid gets mixed up, but then he's not with all the A kids, right? Like three or four kids get put on the A or on one team yeah. that are on the A team. It's just so much. But again, I think it goes back to informing the parents. Yeah, but you know, parents are are so stuck on their own child at that they want whatever's the best, and they look at them with uh, rose colored glasses because some of them aren't as good as they think they are, <laughs> and and that creates issues too. Um, but I, I'm not sure if things are ever going to change. But if if you looked at the World Cup this year, the the finest players, finest players, all came from. African countries, yeah. Middle Eastern countries, and, and they didn't have the same benefits we have here, but they excel. Well, I just I just got back from Argentina, and I was in a really really small town on the beach. Um, and I'm talking about like a really really tiny town, 13 blocks long by like 15 wide, uh, dirt roads outside of one main road, uh, walk everywhere, and there was one park. Well, it was two parks, but one main park that had a basketball court with two soccer goals on the end of it. And it's so no grass soccer field. It's literally just a basketball court. And that thing was packed from like 9 a.m. until not only that, and I was telling my wife and, and I was even showing my kids because at one point my daughter, who's five years old, said, oh, can I go play? And I was like, um, I, I, I don't think so, because uh, you're 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 a five years old. You're talking about 14, 15, even 20 year olds. And at the same time, I was like, you might get hurt in this. But it's the idea that I was telling my wife, I was like, she was like, oh, there's a lot of people watching. And it's like, no, no, no. There's a lot of people watching. There's a lot of people waiting to get in. And we even saw there was a moment and I thought and I and I explained this to her and she she grew up playing soccer in the United States and Florida with me. And um. And I and I saw I was like listen I was like look watch this because I saw it happening. There was a there's a little bit of a younger kid he might have been ten years old, and him and his little buddy decided to walk up to the court, and uh, it was a moment when there was there's not a lot of people around it. It was just the the ten or twelve people that were playing it was five v five or six v six, and they walked up to the court, and at one point they went and asked one of the older older kids and said hey can we jump in and the, they basically got the nope not today. Uh, and, and, I, and I felt like that was an important moment. But I, I think because the court was small and, you know, they had a lot of people. But I used to go to a, a outside of school in South Philadelphia and I was, you know, I was pissed off at how soccer was going. And there'll be Mexican. First of all, there, were, there was a basketball court. Most of the kids were African-American. And, and so, you know, you play two games, you lose, you come off. Yeah. And they had 20 guys. And, and I was watching a little bit of that because I like the arguments and all that stuff that goes on and also the, the caliber of play. But on the field, they were playing like 12 v. 12 with two bicycles <laughs> as, as goals. And the ages varied from 12 to 40. And kids were doing bicycle kicks in the middle of the field for no reason when the ball's coming to them. But that, that's how you learn. And yeah. uh, we're so intent on, okay, we're U6, here's the things we're going to do. And we don't recognize early enough some really gifted players, but I think that's changing a bit too. I think that's I think that's important. When you look at that final, when you were talking about the final four of the World Cup, right? You're talking about the kids doing bicycle kicks in the middle of the field. Those aren't skills you're going to go to soccer practice and learn. No, like we're not going to sit here and say, okay, we're working on bicycle kicks. That's something that you learn on your own. That's something that you learn from playing pickup soccer in the streets or wherever on the beach or on the courts. And those are the moments that in a game where you don't know what move or what to do, those are just instincts that just come that's out right. and you and, and, and that make, separates good players from great players. No, you're exactly right. And that's why I, I tried to point out in my session on Wednesday night that 
you can't create those things, but you show as much times when you put pressure on pressure on pressure, they're going to have to start making <laughs> quick decisions and they'll finally figure it out. I mean, I can't go out and do 20 demonstrations or people do these runs. It has to come from them just playing and playing with pressure. Yeah, and you can see that you had a high level team and you could see that, you know, they may play pickup outside now that they're older, but they didn't probably play as much pickup as they would if they were younger from another country. You're right now. I'll probably get in trouble for this, but um, <laughs> not on our podcast. I, uh, I thought the kids I had were really great kids, nice kids, but I was surprised at their talent level. I thought it was, wasn't up to par. And this was uh, an ECNL team. Yeah. And they were doing a lot of things that <laughs> I wouldn't expect a 12 year old to do at times. I mean, they worked hard and, and, you know, but the first touch was letting them down all the time. I don't think they were real confident. You know, um, that's not just all of them, but a few yeah. of them. It was obvious when I was trying to do certain things. So, I mean, is there is there a way to uh, is there a way to write the ship at this point? Is there a way to fix the or or do you think at this point we we basically just have to it's too kinda, many too many leagues? I mean, yeah, it's the twelfth problem. Yeah, but I mean, is there is there a way? I mean, outside of starting from scratch, is, is what I don't know. It, you know, it's funny. <laughs> I well, that's probably the best thing that will never happen. But but uh, <laughs> you think about. I mean, I I love the fact that the U.S. was a gritty team. They played well, but we're nowhere near the elite countries in the world right now. Um, and I thought back when uh, Andy Donovan, you know, that that whole group of people the players i thought we were on the cusp then of, but then we dropped down in, in our play and i can't attribute to anything i mean the mls has been great but are they developing top level world level players i don't know i think style of play has a lot to do with our struggles as the united states because if you look at it from when michael bradley was the coach right his push was Bob to Bradley. Sorry, yeah, Bob Bradley. His push was to bring in the Hispanics that were American, right? And they had to in, in the blend it, and they had to play a certain way. And then Jurgen Klinsmann comes in, and he wants to bring in the European-based and blend. And now you're bringing in like almost like three different sides of the world and trying to blend them into a national team. But we don't have a set style of player, a set player that we're looking. We're just grabbing the best players available. Yeah, I guess. And again, um, there's been times if the Germans weren't successful in World Cup play, they all get together, come up with new ideas. Belgium's done yes. that. At France has done that. They, all of them. But we never can see. We got this U.S. soccer leading us, but there, there's so many other uh, pushes coming from clubs, state. It's just it's just a mess sometimes. Um. Because <laughs> it's okay. To, I mean, I mean, in reality, it's okay to be. It's okay to be athletic and be direct, right? If that's your strong suit, play to your strong suit. It's like I think a lot of people when they saw Spain in, in the early 2010s and they were possession based, everybody wanted to be Spain, and that's not everybody's style. You don't have if you have three kids up top that can fly, give them the ball. <laughs> yeah, I know that's a, that's a good point, but I think teams should be capable of either possessing or countering as quickly as it can. Now the, the game's becoming a counter game, and that's mm -hmm. fine. But there also has to be a moment when you're down in, in your attacking third where you're possessing and looking to get a shot, and I don't think we we, we create that that often. Right. Well, I think it's. I mean, I think it goes back to so Lou Lou. I've sat in. I've sat in different. Um, courses with Lou teaching the grassroots courses and Lou brings up a video and I don't know I'm not sure I think it might be a U.S. soccer video it might just be Lou having that video but it's a video of soccer uh and he talks about what what is soccer right like what what defines soccer and and he brings up this video of of yeah it's four different it's four different games one of them's in a street with like basically dirt and like two like shoes or something as goals and then then you have the you know you have a world cup stage or something like that and it, i think we we lose sight of we lose sight of that i think we um you know you brought up the fact that you're, you're coaching u8s and, and the expectations that parents already have at the u8 level where i feel like you miss the idea of like what ha what would happen if you showed up one day and you're you're to your u8 team and you told the kids Go play, and then they didn't see a single cone out on the field. They didn't see a single goal. You just brought them to a patch of grass or dirt, for example, and said, 
Here are seven different items. Yeah, none of them cool. are soccer. None of them are soccer cone. None of them are soccer goal. But here's a tin can, two pairs of shoes, uh, and three sticks. Like, how do you figure? Like, can you figure it out? Right. And knowing the kids I'm training now, they wouldn't figure it out. But is that? I mean, knowing the older kids I train, they probably wouldn't figure, figure it out either. Figure it out, right? They might turn around and go home, right? Like, or like, get I feel back like, in the cars. But is that? I mean, do we almost go back to the idea? I mean, I love the idea that U.S. Soccer has with play, practice, play. Right? Come in, play, find the topic, go back to playing with now that topic. Right? I think that's a great concept. It's a great tool. But within that, I also feel like we still, it's still so structured. Yeah. Um... I, I was I was part of the whole play practice playing grassroots, and I've seen a lot of flaws now. I mean, with the younger kids, you got to model and show them how to do technique. Yeah. You can't just throw them out all the time and say go play because they're not watching games. They're not seeing their brothers or sisters or older teams or going to MLS. So they really have no idea how to collect a ball properly, how to dribble properly, how to use both feet. So I, I think. Within the grassroots, we're not doing enough uh, technical work at the younger age. But I like the idea of getting there and playing. I think that's great. I, I, and I've heard that. I heard that in my grassroots where it was a lot of pushback from the coaches was, well, where do I teach them these skills? And it's like, well, really in the practice. But it's like, you know, a lot of stress has been like 30, 45 minutes working on, you know, skill-based stuff for these kids to actually be successful. Because that's what other clubs are doing. Um, so what would you, what would you change in the play practice play model to add in those techniques? Would you I mean, add in another? It, it's, it's play practice play, but it should be play practice, practice, practice play. So you incorporate technique that's breaking down or, or understanding of the game a little bit. Um, I mean, lane's great, but if they're not understanding little options it's it's not as effective but with the older kids i mean i like the idea let's just get them playing Play, yeah. they're gonna learn they're gonna learn by playing and you just bring them inside and say okay here's something you can do better go ahead back out there and let's, let's give it a go let's let's shift gears to coaching education which is a big part of what you do with epysa as well you and Gary run the majority or a lot of the a lot of the the coaching educations and again epysa i think is at the forefront from a national standpoint is, um, where have you seen the growth from a coaching education standpoint? And then also, I feel like now, and I've been a part of a few uh, sessions to try to, because I'm trying to now find my way into the grassroots coaching course for, for the instructor course. Do you think U.S. soccer is now um, has, has the right pathway to get new instructors in is that yeah, is, is know, it has it know, been better? That's funny you bringing it up because originally I got the idea that this grassroots courses were going to be primarily for parents. Well, you primarily don't get parents. You get coaches who want to get their B, C, and A license. And so I don't know. If you, I don't even know if they go back and practice what we're showing them. But I think if you're a parent coming into one of those, even if you have no idea what soccer is about, you'll come away with some ideas and. and be capable of running a decent practice. In fact, I think sometimes parents do new to the sport do a better job than somebody who's been around soccer for 50 years. So they don't overthink it. Yeah, I mean, and, and they're just good with the kids. Yeah. But at that, I thought the real reason when grassroots came together was we're going to work on getting these parents to understand the game and be able to coach these kids and, you know, through the younger ages. Do you think... Um... So are you saying, are you saying that... <laughs> At the U at the seventy seven level, you would rather a parent run those practices and leave the coaches for the old that, ages. No. That, well, that that's a good point. But for the most part, if if you're at a club that's very small, you're not getting paid coaches anyway. So I, I think it benefits if that club says, "Okay, let's get these parents, get their grassroots, and they'll be just as effective possible." But right now, I think parents want someone who they claim is a professional. Because their kid will learn more or gain, uh, which boosts their expectations yeah, through the yeah, roof, right? Yeah, and but if the parent would just get them playing and you know be positive with them at the younger ages, there's no need to have uh, paid coaches at those ages. I don't think. Um, so that's, I, I, that's interesting. I, I definitely get where you're coming from because I think that, like you said, with your U18, you kind of set the bar too high at that age. 
when really you just need a parent, maybe a trainer that comes in and helps out, like, you know, like how you're doing with those teams and have someone go and coach the games. Well, I always thought with, and I don't know how many clubs do this. If you, let's say you have a, a U6 and you have a hundred kids playing U6 and you divide them up to six teams, seven teams, whatever. And, uh, you have a professional come in and demonstrate it. Uh, an exercise. Here's what we could do. Then they all go out and do it for 20 minutes and come back in. And the so-called professionals go to do another action. Then they go back out. And then you mix them up when they play on, on the weekends. Instead of being teams, they just mix them and play. To me, that would be a benefit to everybody. So, sounds like Dan Simmons. Yeah, it does sound like Dan Simmons. Everybody grab a penny and let's play. Yeah. Um, well, Mike, I want to ask you about your role with EPYSA, um, and not only not only are you the technical director, I feel like so both Dwayne and I coach coach ODP in Delaware, and when we were at the regional tournament, and it, this might be one of the like this might be the the reason why why I I enjoy anytime I get to see you, and I also enjoy pointing you out to other people and be like, that's Mike Bard, it's technical director of EPYSA. And everybody's like, oh, wait, but he's driving a, he's driving a gator and picking up trash at the original. Well, I, I blame Gary for that. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I ain't going no, out like that. No, U.S. youth was on their last legs. I mean, they were collapsing and, they, and they're not as impressionable on the soccer community as they used to be. And so they wanted, they didn't want, Region 1 didn't have, didn't have enough money or manpower to do the regional tournament. So Gary took it under his thumb. He was the one who arranged all that. So we were out parking cars and picking up trash and things like that because Region 1 wasn't capable and U.S. youth had no money. Yeah, it, was, it was last year. Was, uh, yeah, you and, you and Bree, you and Bree, you and Bree yeah. were, were running around. That's, that's good that we, you know, we joke about it, but that's that's amazing that you put that into context to see what really has kind of happened over the past couple of years. Is as my time at ODP, I remember the the academies were the biggest threat, and now you have uh, the ECNL, now you have the girls' academy, you have all these different entities. I know that that's the thing that bothers me, but you're perfectly right. Um, MLS academies, I'm fine with them. That's great. Let them have their younger ages. I'm fine. But when you start having academies, describing academies, you can't play high school ball now. To me, it, 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 it's just a money-making scheme. Um, so I, I wish in that yeah. realm, things would change. Um, the academies are bringing in the good kids, and that's fine. And uh, But to say... Okay, here's our club team. We're going to compete against the Union Academy. That's not going to happen. Yes. But uh, again, I, things aren't going to change unless somebody steps forward from U.S. soccer. And it really hurts the player, too, right? If you can't play high school soccer, you didn't make your local MLS Academy, there are lessons, experiences you will get, more games you will get along with the training in not, your high school. Yeah, it's not just that, but you could have a ninth grader making varsity competing against 12th graders. So he's playing faster. He's getting hit. He's playing in front of his peers. There's more pressure when you play, but bothers. So, before we wrap up, I you're you're a longtime high school coach. Do you still enjoy it? And are you looking forward? Well, I'm not. Co- I uh, are you, are you, I retired last year from Kennett. The only reason was it was a long drive from Wallingford to okay Kennett. No, the, no, no train. No, <laughs> and and it's it's just started to wear on me. Now, if a if a high school team in the area needed a coach and contact me, and it was in five or six miles. I'd be happy to do it. Well, there you go. But, I mean, uh, the job. The, I mean, the the, the offer is out there's there. There's the offer. You went five or six, uh, like ten miles. Uh, ten oh, miles oh, within Wallingford. Yeah, um, I because I, I I just think it's it's great to be part of a school community and. uh High school kids, they're crazy as hell, but they're fun to be around. And uh, the experience of winning and the school getting behind you, there's nothing like it. No club team can say, oh, yeah, we won uh, state championship. State championship. Oh, playing as U15s in front of 80 people, and then you're playing for your high school team state championship in front of a few thousand. You come back to all your friends. There's nothing like it. So I think I might go find a high school in PA. I'll be the head coach. I'll let him be my assistant. Bring Lou up with me. There you go. Oh, wow. now, and I, I'm not. I shouldn't lose, right? 
Well, I mean, if you bring, well, I mean, Lou on the way up, he can pick up Bob. Oh, I definitely should. So that you have Mike, Bob, and Lou. I, I should have. Th- that's a question. So, so have the three of you ever coached together? We've taught. I've taught courses together with Lou, but never coached a team together. Because Bob, Bob, and Bob and Lou coached together. Glasgow, maybe. So that would be an interesting. Could we? Could we find a way? To engineer a so I don't I don't know if you if you heard this but Ronaldo's playing well so Ronaldo's doing this hybrid team between the two Saudi Arabia teams against PSG and Marcelo Gallardo from River Plate's coming in just to coach the one game. Could we find a way to set up a some sort of a scrimmage where we can get Bob Boussier, Mike Barr, and Lou Atkinson coaching one team together? The kids better be good. That, that's, that's <laughs> yeah, they better be because they're not be U six. But but can we do a UA girls game? <laughs> the, the thrill for me though is is training and then seeing the benefits during the game. Yeah, that you see that okay, these kids are growing. They're understanding what I'm trying to get across. Um, that's training is still most fun to me. So we Maybe that's the uh, the the girls high school all star game. There you go. Or, or do they do the boys in the fall, or do they do them both in the spring? I think they now? do the boys in the fall. So that will be an opportunity. Are the girls in Delaware still playing in, in the spring? spring? Yeah. Still, yeah. still on a different path. So, so, uh, so <laughs> we'll save that for another episode. <laughs> so we asked we asked Bob Boussier to give us a, a Lou Atkinson story uh, since Lou couldn't couldn't come up this week. You got a, you got a Lou Atkinson story that you can that you can give us before you before you leave. <laughs> there's a lot um he and i are really good friends uh my wife and lou's wife we go out for dinner about once a month um it was kind of funny we seem to have the same habits when we're doing coaching courses he and i like to have a drink or two before we eat dinner and then we just go to bed later and lou never was a big party guy and I, I really never was either because I didn't want to be seen as, oh, he's going out drinking all the time. But um, I, Lou, Lou's just one of those guys that you feel comfortable when you're around all the time. He's intelligent. Um, he doesn't sway from his opinions. And so there's not one thing that stands out. It's just so comfortable for me every time I'm around. And I pick his brain. I mean, that's how you learn. Yeah, and absolutely. I still pick his brain. He kind of forces you to pick his brain. I like, think he forces he, you to think. Yeah, he does. He, I think it's. I don't think I've ever. I don't think I've ever had a conversation. Or I mean, it's always, always. It was always the. Uh, it was always the random intimidating factor when I was out of field, and all of a sudden I would turn around and Lou was right behind me. Like, Man, what's he thinking? <laughs> and you're like, oh boy. But he would never say, "Hey, you're doing this." No, wrong. no, no, no. He's like, "Hey, he would, what do you think about yeah, this? this?" That's right. Yeah, no, what do you think about this? So I mean, I've been told when I've done courses that Canada's come back to me later and said, "God, I hated you during the courses," <laughs> so, and but they all love Lou, and uh, I could understand. I mean, I, I appreciated you during my D course. I appreciate you in my C course. Yeah. It's just funny coming here. Uh, I'm lucky. I, w- I mentioned it in my doing that session that I'm glad these things were around because people come <laughs> up to me and if I don't see that name, I just wouldn't know. <laughs> well, Mike, we, we really appreciate you stopping by. Um, we know you have a busy schedule and uh, we, we, we really appreciate you stopping by. I think, uh, I think at this point we're going to, uh, we're gonna just share out more YouTube videos of you coaching eight-year-olds and six-year-olds. I'm fine with that. <laughs> In fact, uh, one of the, the, the you see the one coach who was helping me. Uh, no, and the one that we saw, you were by yourself. By okay, yourself. well, Scott Spangler was helping me. And Scott uh, played at played at Strathaven, went to Virginia Tech. Started up programs in Philadelphia, and now he's down in Florida. His teams are unbelievable. He works with really young kids, and. Uh, they do magical things now they're 10 years old. Thanks, Mike. Okay. All right, Duane, let's um I wanna I wanna shed some light in cause cause I think you're you you don't you didn't read this. I didn't read it either. I, it. I got the I read the cliff notes, but um <laughs> the uh the report came out 
of the Greg Berhalter investigation by U.S. Soccer or by the firm that U.S. Soccer hired into what happened. And basically, the whole entire report is on whether Greg Berhalter should be allowed, was cleared to coach or not coach in the future for U.S. Soccer. Uh, uh, the report does does say the state that he he should be able to be allowed to reapply. Uh, for salud, uh, to reapply for gracias, uh, a job for his job again. If he wanted to, he should be. You know, he there's nothing that's concerning about hiring him from that standpoint. But the report does shed some interesting things about Claudio Reyna, who refused to be interviewed. Because they talked about the, his um, his history within U.S. soccer, so they talked about when Gio Reyna was in the when he was younger. Um, Gio Reyna was kicked out of a given a red card for a game. Claudio Reyna went out and contacted U.S. soccer and tried to get that red card taken off, so he could play the next game. Um, he also reached out. To Greg Berhalter, um, to complain about the U seventeen national team coach saying that the coach at the time was the worst coach ever in twenty nineteen, uh, and at the same time, um, he also sent out a message, uh, an email, um, when he found out that there was going to be a female referee on one of the games that Gio Reyna was going to be playing in uh, and said, can we get real and have male referees for a game like this? It's embarrassing, guys. What are we trying to prove? A game like this deserves better attention. So... This guy's a, it, a hole. He's a hole, man. And that's his rating G. So he's a hole. It's, it's bad. It's really bad. I don't know. I think this this potentially does change the way people are going to look at Claudio Reyna in, in the future. Well, the, the sad part is, like I said before, it's all fueled for his son. So in order for it to affect dad, it's got to affect his son. So if they suspend Gio Reyna for a year and say, listen, you either have the conversation with your dad, you tell your dad to stop, we're just going to blacklist you. Yeah. Because he's good. And I'm sure he can represent another country somewhere. But is he that good to go represent another country? Well, he can't anymore because he's played more than three games. Right. So it's like, yeah, we blacklist you. Yeah. And luckily he hasn't been, at least from from a, from a player perspective, he hasn't been for the next call up. He's called up, which is good. But but just from That's a not parent, good. you don't think it's good that he's been called up again? That's not good. Why not? Because he just went through all of this and he called the kid up. So what is what message are you really sending? I mean, you didn't call up his parents, you called the kid. Well, not the kid, he's an he's an adult now. He's a grown adult. Right. But isn't he the whole reason why we're in this mess? No, the reason why we're in his mess is because of his parents. No, it's him. It's his actions. His his lack of understanding of what his role was or his lack of acceptance of what his role was, which led to his parents being upset and then causing all these problems. But the but the reality is, is that Claudio Reyna did things before the Qatar World Cup that weren't right either. Right. That's what I'm saying. You just get rid of. Obviously, this guy just caused problems. So you got to get rid of him. Yeah, I, I think I think this this entire thing and Christian Pulisic. I don't know if I agree with the way he stated this. Talked about how the the entire the entire thing was was is sad and and all these things, which it, it is. Um, if I was a player, I wouldn't say anything. But he went on this to talk about the fact that it was childish and that it was. Um, it was. Don't say anything. It was. Uh, <laughs> It's something you'd see in youth soccer. People complaining about playing time. Um, That's the problem. I, and it, it's literally the problem that it is 
very youth soccer-esque. But like, this is childish. It, yes, but the fact that we're calling it that it's youth soccer to me says that we're almost saying that this is what we would expect in youth soccer. So it becomes an expectation of what youth soccer is. It we're, is. <laughs> right, but for us, we're trying to change that. We talk about that constantly, how we're trying to change that perception. We're trying to change the culture. Yeah. But well, here's the problem. Here's now the we're, problem. We're trying to change it, but at the biggest stage, it still affects our country. For sure. Our systems of play. For so sure, when you but, tell your parents. But Christian Pulitzer is now parents, validating it. He's validating the fact that this is this is how it should be treated. This is how youth soccer is done. It it is. Yeah, but but instead of using our platform like or his platform to say, listen, this is childish and this is what's wrong with youth soccer as well. That to me changes the the, the tone of it. That to me changes the way that it's perceived. It changes what potentially could could hopefully make a change or or start to have a conversation, right? Like we can't continue to say that, well, it's what happens at youth sports or it's what happens here or what happens there. It starts like, at the top. It, 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 starts it starts on both ends, right? Because we have to do a better job at the youth levels of making sure that we educate players, families, spectators, and everybody else and coaches on what the correct behavior or positive behavior looks like at the youngest age groups, right? At U3, U4, U5, U6. And then at the same time, when players go from playing high school call or youth soccer to then going into college or into the professional ranks, now it's that education of like, you're an adult, right? Or potentially you're an adult, right? Like obviously there's players that are not technically over 18 that are playing professional soccer, but let's just say for, for the sake of the argument, you're an adult. Here's how you prepare for the spotlight, the pressures, and all these other things. Right? Like, and so then you're starting to kind of get at the problem from both ends because there is no rhyme or reason for, uh, for Giorena's parents to ever interject in his ability or on playing time at that stage, just like there really is no rhyme or reason for any parent to interject on playing time when it's a coaching decision at the youth level. I mean, beyond the argument of the fact that like, whether I believe or not that playing time should be something that it should be earned, but at the same time, kids should be given the ability to play. I don't know that there's any youth soccer game that it's important enough to bench a kid at youth soccer. No. Uh I think you got to set an example because, again, Thierry, Thierry Henry is looking at this job, right? People are looking at this men's national team job to plateau themselves, to get into an international job. But you're not going to, if you want to win the World Cup, you're not going to get the best coach if you have this kind of drama. Yeah. I mean, think about it. England had drama with Phil Foden and Mason Greenwood. What did they do? Send them home. They didn't get called up for a while, right? Phil Foden <laughs> came back. He's been in the national team. He matured. He apologized. We're good. This happened in December. It's now March. We're still talking about it. Yeah, because of, the, because of the investigation. Right. But then we call Gio Reyna up to go play in the Nations League. Yeah. Doesn't make sense. Yeah. For me, Gio Reyna probably says, okay, I'll learn my lesson because I spoke out. I said something wrong about my coach. It, it blew up into this whole thing. So I'll accept being suspended for the rest of the 2023 season. No Gold Cup, no Nations League, no friendlies. And you know what? 2024, I'll learn my lesson. I'll come back. Because you know what? In reality, I took this for granted, and I really miss 
putting on the stars and stripes. And it probably makes him into a better person and a better player. And it sets an example for every other person. Every kid that has a Geo Arena jersey says, you know what? He did the right thing. Yeah. I think it has to come from Geo. Regardless of what his parents did. He's also got to be a man. If he's going to be 18 or 19, however old he is, he's got to step up and just got to do. Yeah, I, I think we just, we have to find a way to to put, put an end on this this kind of behavior. I think it's... Well, I don't think Gio should play. The rest of 2023. But who am I? Yeah, it's just a guy on a podcast. Just a guy on a podcast whose cousin is going to get the national team job. <laughs> we get I'll, I'll be somebody then you'll be somebody um yeah that's fair um I'll all be right. somebody uh player of the match we'll go straight into that player of the match <clears throat> who's your player of the match andre blake dog. did you see that save he made when he pulled his groin yeah they don't make the you, you can't do that kind of stuff man name another keeper who's making that save yeah, I I think Martinez would have been laying on the ground crying. Yo, man, don't don't be don't uh, that don't don't push that button, man. Martinez, the three stars would have been on the ground crying. Three stars, man. Three stars. Um, my my player of the match uh, is going to go to. Uh, I think this is going to surprise you a little bit. Um, considering where you went, um, my my player of the match is going to go to Joe Bendick <laughs> for staying ready. For staying ready, for one hundred percent staying ready. He has played. Yeah, still might be doing high knees. <laughs> like so, Joe Bendick hadn't played a game since at least he. I don't think he played at all last year because Matt Freeze was the backup goalkeeper. Yeah. Uh, so Joe Bendick hasn't played a game in a long time, right? Like he hasn't, he's 33 years old, hasn't played a game in a long time, um, has played a total of like nine games with the union in general. Actually, in May of 2022, he went down and played with Philadelphia Union too. <laughs> so yeah, they play at Subaru Park now. Uh, yeah, but um, but I, I, I didn't I, have to go anywhere. I think you know they they sold Matt Freeze, uh, or Matt Freeze left, and Joe Bendick became the number two, and you know he had to come in in a in a tough game against um, Chicago on Saturday, and then played against Alianza. So he'll play for the next couple matches right until until Andre Blake comes back. Um, so I I and not only that when Bedoya came off the field, Joe Bendick became the captain of that team. So that to me speaks about knowing your role, right? Yeah, that's the importance of of a. I knew who wasn't going to be the captain of the team, huh? Jose Martinez wasn't going to be the captain. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, like that's what I was, like that's what I'm, that's my point, right? Like you, like clearly he has a role within that team that we obviously don't know about, but that to me get give you a glimpse of what his role is when he becomes well, yeah. the captain of the team when everyone else comes off. Well, we all know the union philosophy is promote from within, grow players, young players, right? So the vets are who? Alejandro Bedoya, Andre Blake, Joe Bennett, these older guys. Everybody else is in their 20s. So you need guys like that in your locker room to be able to teach them how to be a pro, how to be a veteran, how to be responsible. Not only that, the the Philadelphia Union have had to do this show. I think I talked about it on the podcast before. But one of the things that Greg Berhalter says right at the beginning on the first day of preseason was whatever your role is, whether, again, you're you're starting every game or you're off the bench or you're potentially the second goalkeeper, be ready to go and excel at your role. So that's, proves, that's the proof in the pudding right there, right? Like Joe Bendick, ready to go. Had to make one save the entire game and made it. So, and he was the captain. It's good stuff, Joe. I appreciate it. Stay ready. Because that first game, he didn't... I don't think the ball crossed midfield after he came in. No. And it's cold out here. Yeah. 
Um, all right, on this day in soccer history, at least listen, at least he wasn't like on the ground making like fake saves. <laughs> <laughs> on this day in soccer history, uh, March 17th, 2012, so 11 years ago, referee Howard War- Webb, um, forced to stop a six round tie between Spurs and Bolton Wanderers right after halftime because Fabrice uh, Mwamba from Bolton collapsed on the pitch because he suffered a heart attack. So um, he was treated on the pitch, rushed to the hospital. His heart stopped for 78 minutes. Uh, he was survived. He survived though. And then he was forced to retire. But so on the same history, Fabrice so, Mwamba. Um, so, yeah. No Irish history today? No Irish history today. I don't know why. I mean, I guess they probably don't. They probably don't play. <laughs> they don't play. They don't play in St. Patrick's Day. Um, I'm just thinking about it. I'm like, man, we didn't get any. Yeah. He's a good Irish player. Roy Keane. Yeah. Yeah. Roy Keane. Yeah. Yeah. Robbie Keane. Bobby Ke- Robbie Keane. Robbie Keane. That's who it is. Um, played at scoring goals LA, LA Galaxy, right? He came over here old, tore yeah. it up. Um, all right, the Dan Simmons Fair Play of the Week award. <laughs> <laughs> uh, shout out to Dan, uh, because we told him about it. I think he was he was uh somewhat excited about the fact that we named this after him. <laughs> so the Dan Simmons Fair Play of the Week award. Um, my fair play of the week this week goes out to um all my all the former players that I've coached. Um that I still have a connection with. I feel like, um, and I see quite a bit of them. Uh, I see a lot of them throughout. I'm lucky enough to now coach with, with one of my former players, um, which is really exciting because um, that is now the fourth player from that specific team that has at some point coached with me. Um, so that's that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like I, I always try to have a connection with the players that I coach and I always want to make sure that, that they understand that they're always a a special part of my life because I enjoy coaching and, um, I, I try to keep up with everybody, right. Whether, whether they play for the same club or don't play for the same club anymore, um, that I'm currently coaching in or not currently coaching in. I try to make sure I keep up with them. I keep up with their high school stuff. I I try to take a look and go, oh, look, I'm excited on how they're doing and things like that. Um, so yeah, I feel like it's it's a really yeah, so that's a big shout out to all the players that I've I've gotten to coach before because it's almost instead of a shout out, it's almost a thank you for for giving me that that opportunity or that chance because that's an opportunity for me to grow as well. So um, so yeah, so shout out, shout out to all those players. Who's your favorite player? Give it out to Alex. Which it's always one? Alex Carrington. Oh, Carrington. There's two Alexes in our lives. Oh yeah, Alex and they both have like that K as a last name. Yeah, yeah. See, they're Alex, Alex, or Alex K. Alex C. Yeah. Uh, shout out to him. Got another on-field experience. Uh, kids on the field. Kids enjoyed it. Parents enjoyed it. It's also cool that it's not always the same kids, right? I don't think any of the kids duplicated from the fall of last year to the spring of this year that got to play. So it was cool to get 14 kids on that field to be able to play in front of the largest crowd in their youth careers, um, which is awesome. They had a great time. Yeah. And I, I saw, I heard, I got a scouting report that one of the kids was potentially being scouted. <laughs> He's out there balling out. I said, this is your chance. I said, you want to play for the union? I said, there <laughs> might be an assistant coach that's walking around that might say, man, that kid's pretty good. Who's <laughs> <laughs> Dave Pettick in that when you need him? <laughs> uh, I'm going to refrain from saying things. Um, uh, I also, I want to, before we before we end the episode, uh, reminder to, to follow us on Instagram at DE Soccer Podcast, at D Soccer Podcast. And also a big shout out to uh, the the people that listen and tell us that they're listening. I I genuinely enjoy those messages, either whether it's a text message or if you message us on Instagram. 
I genuinely enjoy when we when we know that other people are listening. <laughs> Yo, it's funny when people do it and we are like like you're having a conversation with somebody, they bring up something random from the podcast. Right. You're like, what are you so talking like, about? Exactly. Like, wait, you're li- like you're listening? Like, and they're like, Yeah, we listen. Or like, oh, that's awesome. Thanks. Like and it's always something like it's like something in the middle of the podcast. So you know they're like listening to it's not yeah, like, yeah. oh yeah, your your intro is funny. And it's like, all right, cool, you listen to 30 seconds. It's like Hey, we said this like in the middle. Yeah. Yeah, that's really I, I enjoy that a lot. Um, so yeah, so thanks, thanks for all of you for listening. So I mean, if you've if you've hung out for the rest of the podcast, if you've if you're still here at the end, uh you're you're true. I think that's that's the that's legit. I think what you should do is uh give away your April 3rd tickets to someone that's listening at the end. Tell them to send you a message. There you go. Look at that. Wait, 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 whoa, 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 I can't give away something I haven't paid for yet. Like I, I'm okay with the potential, with the potential of giving away tickets that I've already paid for. <laughs> I'm not out here giving away tickets that I haven't paid for yet. All right, we'll do a donation so you can give the tickets away. <laughs> Who's donating? You donating? I got, I got five dollars. Five dollars? <laughs> no thanks. Uh, but that does that. Uh, I do like the idea of a of a contest for something. We can we can come up with something to give away. But we'll do it at the end of an episode, right? Because we got to make sure people are listening. Trade your tickets and get four tickets, and then they can get two seats next to you at a game. <laughs> out of here! I don't want to. You don't want to sit next to me in a game. I don't talk. Uh, I don't you can talk sit next to me. I don't I talk during games. It gets crazy in my section. I don't say anything during games. I literally just sit there and watch the game, and that's it. You got to sit in my section. It gets crazy. I did. It does get does, does get a little rowdy. So, but well, uh, thanks for joining us this week. And remember, always receive the ball on your front foot.